This episode would not be possible without every person that has sent in a voice recording this week. Thank you for accepting the challenge and continuing to make this a more diverse, collaborative, and open source podcast community. I encourage everybody to jump onto Anchor and send us a voice message so that we can continue to bring on more perspectives and experiences onto the show. Today's episode is Q&A, where we're bringing you all of the voice messages we received from the voice community this week, as well as some of our conversations and responses to those questions. Here you go. Hi there, my name is Robert. I uh, host the Robert John Boyle podcast, and every Friday I do an episode on Alexa skills. And uh, because you're in the voice space, if you're talking a lot about Alexa and Google, I'm reaching out because I'd love to include a, a voice message from you in the next episode of my podcast. So if you are so willing, just uh, tell me your name, tell me the name of your podcast, what you're doing, and then answer the following questions. Um, what Alexa skills slash Google action are you most excited about at the moment? And uh, what skills slash Google action do you wish existed that does not currently exist? Um, I'm sure you're really busy with your own podcast, but if you can find the time to answer these questions, I'd really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, just start a relationship. I'm trying to network with all the people on Anchor that are talking about voice and Alexa and Google and all these things. So just a a nice little uh, get to know you, if you will. All right. Have a great rest of your day and keep on podcasting. Robert, thank you for reaching out. I am Pat Sweetman, the founder of Voice First and one of the hosts of the Voice First podcast. Right now, we're onboarding more dry cleaners into our dry cleaning service so that these dry cleaning companies can have their customers say, Lexi, pick up my laundry, and it connects right with their dry cleaners. On to your questions. The first one, the apps that I love to use right now are Domino's and Spotify. The big reason I like Domino's and is because of this little-known stat in that Domino's currently receives 20%, that's one in five, of all of their orders via voice devices. One in five of Domino's orders is coming by voice. Now on Spotify, I really love that I listen to 30% of my music using Alexa and Google. Spotify just released stats, and I saw on my Spotify station, I listened to 103,000 minutes of music, and 33% of those came from voice devices. When I'm thinking about what I want next, what I would actually really love to be able to do is leverage the Google and Lexi devices that I already have to record my podcasts. I think that companies like Anchor are going to start to include these voice devices in their service. And when that happens, it won't be me holding my phone up to my ear. I'm just going to be talking into a room and then my podcast will get recorded. And I'll be able to just have Google automatically record my podcast while I just have a Google Assistant in a room. I think that voice is going to impact every single industry, literally every single one. I think it's a faster way to communicate with the technology that is becoming ever pervasive in our lives, and it reduces time and friction from 90% of the tasks that we're doing on a daily basis. Now, Robert, I want to ask you, you host a podcast where every Friday you're getting a perspective on what people think is the most exciting voice app that they've seen. Out of all of those weekends... From your perspective, which one is the coolest? What app is adding the most value to this world? Hey, Naturally United. Would you consider the National Park Service outdated and kind of avoiding technology? Or do you know of any resources available where national parks have gone and partnered with either voice apps or mobile apps or other apps to give people who use the parks some amazing tools to enjoy the parks more?
You know, it's funny you say that. There's actually wireless sensors that can basically create an Internet of Things environment across every single national park around the world. And what that will enable us to do is kind of manage like the air and water quality as well as like what the soil conditions are. And most importantly, you can track the movements of wildlife and where they go throughout their habitats. Knowing that information will make it so that we're much more capable of controlling the effect that people have on the environment. And I think that that's going to be very, very important given the number of people that are being born every year. Right now, we're at seven and a half billion people. But given our current rates, it could be 50 billion within 100 years. So that being said, I think the consideration around tracking the environments is important as long as it doesn't actually get in the way of the things that we're trying to protect, which I said is water. That makes a lot of sense. The world that we're living in in the fourth industrial age is built around data. It's the information age. Web 2.0 makes it so that the more information that we have, the better the systems that we've built that are built on top of machine learning and artificial intelligence are able to make more accurate insights on the data that we've collected. We've been collecting so much data on how people move and how many people are growing and how people are using space. It's allowed us to get a lot of good insights to create more services to make sure that we're able to still use those spaces and those areas and those places in the same kind of way that we enjoy being able to use it. For animals, to be able to collect that same kind of data, just like you said, without impeding the nature that we're trying to track, if we're able to just get motion sensors or tiny cameras. In the same way that that BBC special, what is it, Planet Earth, is able to go out and collect this amazing video. It seems like as though the cameras are out in, out in nature with the animals, as though the, the technology is integrated, but not disturbing or impeding the nature's life. If we can collect that kind of data to know, hey, where are animals interacting in the Great Sand Dunes National Park at 3 p.m. in peak migration season for leopards? To be able to ask those kind of questions and to be able to have the data on it should be able to provide animal researchers and other people with significantly better insights than we can collect right now. And having that is going to enable us to be able to protect and to foster and to continue to grow sustainably the animal populations on this planet to help figure out where are animals interacting more, where are they interacting less, okay, which parts of our national parks are animals interacting with, and where are they staying the hell away from? How much is the humans interacting with this space persuading animals not to interact in the same space? And when you think about the implications of some of that, Patrick, it means that we can prevent animals who are on the path to extinction from being gone from the face of the earth and preserve them for future generations of humanity. We'll know exactly where we need to put animals in order to have them be able to live sustainably without being affected by humans. Um, but there's a lot of other changes that are going to happen in order for that to actually become reality. And one of the things that I thought of is that if we do not change our roads to tunnels, it will never be possible because roads sort of act as a network of death for animals. There's no way that they can cross the boundary. So I think what that reveals to us is, honestly, there's a lot of things that we need to change about the way that we live to live sustainably on this planet. And, you know, it's crazy. I think voice is one of the fundamental changes we'd have to see for that to happen. So I guess my question to you is, what fundamental changes do you think that voice brings to the world that will make people's lives better? Voice improves communication. 
I was meeting with one of my mentors this morning and he asked me that same question. Pat, why are you dealing with voice technology? Why do you think this is going to be so impactful? And my response was, it's natural. Nature gives humans the best lessons. The best lessons are learned from nature. If you look out in nature, you can see humans, regardless of if they're in a first world country, if they're in a developing country, or even undiscovered countries, they communicate using their voices. You don't see anything in nature that replicates typing on a screen or typing on a keyboard or programming. The only reason humans started to do that is because we saw as the number of devices that came into our world continued to grow, it behooved us, it was to our advantage to learn how to communicate with those devices more effectively. Today, with voice, we have technology that's able to meet us where we already are, via language. It just seems like the natural next step, the next progression of humanity. This brings me to a question, so I'm going to prelude a little bit. Today, the state of voice is that Google and Alexa are getting very good at understanding diversity of accents and of different languages. That being said, it makes me wonder if we'll someday be able to collect enough data on animal speech and animal communication to be able to translate that. My question to you, though, is to flip the question you asked me back on its head. How? So you asked me how is voice going to revolutionize the world. I want to flip it back to you. How do you think that nature is going to improve voice? What do you think are some lessons that we can learn from nature that will help to improve voice technologies? Shouts out to Voice First from DJ Royalty, aka Crypto from GoTech Radio. Y'all keep it cracking the podcast. And once again, shouts out to the Voice First. Keep it going, y'all. Cheer. GrowTech Radio, thank you for reaching out. We would love to hear from you how you've been using voice devices, whether you use Siri or Lexi or Google Assistant or Cortana, or have you never tried a voice device before? Have you ever tried a voice device? And if so, what device do you use? I just got off the phone with my 97-year-old Irish grandmother. We were talking about Alexa and Google Assistant. She enjoys it a lot. She was an early adopter, and many of her children who are in their 50s and 60s have adopted it after she has, after seeing how much it helps her in her life and how much friction it eliminates, they began to adopt it too. When I go home this week for the holidays, I will be setting her up and them up with connecting their phones to their Alexas so that they can call between each other and communicate with less friction. Grandma's vision is going a little bit and she was a little bit down about that for probably two or three months, but She's still sharp as a needle. I just got off the phone with my 97-year-old Irish grandmother. We were talking about Alexa and Google Assistant. She enjoys it a lot. She was an early adopter, and many of her children who are in their 50s and 60s have adopted it after she has, after seeing how much it helps her in her life and how much friction it eliminates, they began to adopt it too. When I go home this week for the holidays, I will be setting her up 
and them up with connecting their phones to their Alexas so that they can call between each other and communicate with less friction. Grandma's vision is going a little bit and she was a little bit down about that for probably two or three months, but she's still sharp as a needle. She's realizing some of the limitations that the technology has and it's going to be really great to have her on the podcast to talk about some of the things that she wish it could do, some of the things that she uses it for, and you know how she talks to her friends and people amongst her generation about it, where she is in probably the top 0.01% of 96 and up year olds that are using these devices, which I think could provide the most benefit for actually. Grandma lives in Menor, Ohio, and around a lot of her children and grandchildren, but it's always an argument, well, who is going to go pick up grandma and bring her to the party? Well, if she's able to, with the new Uber Alexa skill and soon-to-be Google Assistant action, she can be picked up by an Uber and dropped off at the house. She just has to let the driver know to pick her up at the front door and walk her to the car. Yes. People like your grandma are the first groups of people that are going to find some major benefit from these voice devices. People who can't access or have trouble accessing things that require screens or things that require keyboards. Voice lets you be anywhere and talk. Hospitals are going to find it amazing. Your grandma, I'm surprised. Yeah, you're right. I think she's in the 0.01% of all 96-year-olds who are adopting this technology. I think she's going to find a lot of benefit from it, like the ability to drop in. The ability to book an Uber, the ability to order your groceries via voice. It's, it's going to empower people who currently don't feel very empowered. It's going to empower these groups of people to do a lot more with their lives. Thank you. Yeah, let's bring your grandma onto the show. We need to chat with her and find out how we can continue to solve problems for that demographic. The first three words of our description for the Voice First podcast should be voice software company. That's what's visible when people are scrolling through the technology section of Anchor. We're like 12th on the list. If you go to Anchor, Brow, or you go to you know the podcast and then you say uh, technology in the technology category. Got it. By the time you're hearing this, you'll already see the first three words are voice software company in all caps. We'll see what happens. A-B test life and play iterative games. We will always value your opinion, RJ. You're one of the brightest minds we have. Thank you.